every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello, this is Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And this week, we have a special edition of Demand Gen Visionaries live from Dreamforce. This is never before seen footage. We were live at Dreamforce with three of our best pals, Julie, Lauren, and Karen. We were talking marketing. We were talking uncuttable budget items. These are three of the ladies that helped build Dreamforce. So we talked a bunch about events, some inspiring stories, some ways that they're thinking about spending money in this sort of new economy with all of the turmoil and things that are going on in the market. It's uh, no better time to think about how you're investing, where you're going to be investing, and these three ladies know exactly how to do it. So yeah, it's a wonderful conversation. I hope you all enjoy it. As always, if you have any feedback, if you have any thoughts, if you have any questions, you can hit us up anytime, team at caspianstudios.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, at Ian Faison, or on Twitter, at Ian Faison. If you ever have any questions, would love to answer those, and um, we can get them back to uh, Julie, Lauren, and Karen if you have some follow-ups as well. Thanks again for listening, and thanks to our presenting sponsor, Qualified. We love them dearly. It was so awesome being at an event with so many qualified customers. Caspian customers hanging out, dancing, singing, all of that stuff. The event was so hot that the fire alarm actually went off. And so we had to cool it down with some adult beverages, but it was a wonderful time. We hope to do more DGV lives in the future, and we can't wait for every single one of you to meet us at one of those. So thanks again for listening and hope you enjoy. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries Live at Dreamforce. It is so fun to be back together after two years of not being together. Love your participation. You're ready to go. Um, my name is Mora. I'm the CMO here at Qualified. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We launched this show about three years ago. We wanted to spotlight the best and brightest CMOs in the industry. And today we bring you the show live. So we have an all-star lineup and these are the legends that built Dreamforce. These are the women who helped build the best marketing event of the year. So we have Karen Flores, VP of Events at Okta, Julie Legal, former CMO of Slack, Lauren Vaccarello, CMO of Salesloft, and our host, Ian Faison. So thank you guys for joining us. With that, let's start the show. And let's, uh, let's say a toast to Dreamforce. Here's to all of us being back together. And here's to us having an amazing conversation and kicking off a great event. So thank you guys for joining us. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today I'm joined by three special guests. Ladies, how are you? Hello, very good. Um, so you'll notice that most of the folks have a, uh, a keeper cut panel in front of you. So what we're going to do is a little analog version of uh, uh, uncuttable budget items. So we do this as a segment in our, in our podcast to say, hey, CMOs, what are your three most uncuttable budget items? And so today we're going to rip through a bunch of uncuttable budget items. And we want like, if you're like, hey, that's something we're going to keep, 
hey, this is something we're not going to keep, you can kind of use those. Um, and if you're like in between, you can just kind of go in between. Um, so to start off, I think uh, as we have, you know, we're at 100 episodes of Demand Gen Visionaries, which is pretty crazy. And um, what we've heard a lot of is sort of, you know, from the very beginning of, of COVID through to now, that uncuttable budget, budget items have changed, uh, how you track ROI has changed, what are the types of things you're spending money on has changed. Um, and, uh, and we've been hearing basically this sort of kind of up and down roller coaster of how do you think about uh, marketing? And what we wanted to talk about today is, is sort of this idea that obviously we live in very uncertain times. There's sort of the market is tumultuous right now. Uh, marketers and CMOs are under uh, even more scrutiny than they sort of had been in the past. Um, how do you spend your money? How do you spend money the right way? So we have three women who have uh, figured that out uh, time and time again, and, uh, and we want to leverage their expertise. And so one of the things that separates sort of the elite CMOs and, and demand gen leaders is the ability to make bets that have outsized returns. So obviously, you know, when we do Uncuttable, there's the money that you put into, you know, SEO, there's money you put into Google AdWords, there's all those sort of things that table stakes you have to do. But those campaigns that have a massive outsized result. So we're going to talk about making big bets today. And so let's start off, Lauren. Um, how do you think about making big bets? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so I start to look at, so everything I start to do, I look at a marketing funnel when I'm figuring out what are the bets I want to make. And I'm doing this right now in my role. And I start to look at what are the levers if I pull will have the biggest impact. So going from here's web traffic, here's form views, here's form completes, here's leads, here's opportunities. There's areas that you'll start to see and go, something is funny here, something is off, and this is where I want to go and make a really big investment. And a, a good example of it is, in my two roles ago as CMO at Talend, uh, I got there and digital was a complete disaster and they never invested in infrastructure, they never invested in optimization, they never invested in things like, when someone comes to your website, how do you engage with them? And for me, that was a... We're growing slower than the rest of the company. Every part of the funnel looks wrong. I'm going to put real money here. I'm going to put real effort here and see what happened. And it turned out that by doing that, um, after about a year, the website was driving 60% of opportunities for marketing. Wow. Huh. Julie, big bets. Um, well, I like to think of, uh, there's a part of your marketing budget that's always your meat and potatoes. There's the things that you need to keep the business going. Like you can't turn off certain things all the way. But I like to have kind of like, think of part of your budget as also like an, an innovation fund. So what are the big bets that you and your team have come up with? And, and those could vary. I think a lot of time, and Karen and I have experienced this a lot, it could be something really splashy in person that at first blush looks sort of wasteful. But if you can architect it right with the right customer experiences and the right amplification across press and social, doing something kind of crazy and stunt like can actually make sense. So I think always thinking of your budget as like, I have some money to play with and try something big. And if something seems crazy, it may be crazy or it may be interesting. And it may be something that can let you stand out. And if you do, can you apply kind of your marketing lens to it of how do I make this not just be my crazy idea, but something that I can actually turn into something bigger, something more. Karen, what about you? 
Yeah, um, I would say similarly. Um, for me, it's about uh, what is what. What do I need that um, I build the house and keep the lights on, the meat and potatoes? But far and beyond, at least in my experience, what I've learned is you have to think big and you have to punch above your belt, your weight belt, because if you don't, you'll look small. And um, sometimes it's worth making a crazy investment, um, but definitely you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. So. Obviously, the three of you, fundamental in the early days of Dreamforce and building an amazing event. How many people uh, are going to be investing in like big name events this year, Keeper Cut, uh, big name trade show events? Ooh, Ooh all right. Ooh. Wow. Got a, got a, got a couple <laughs> cuts uh, and, and about, I'd say 80% keeps. So this is actually something that we've, we've seen a lot on the show where... Uh, marketers being really selective with the events that they're looking at. Uh, so Karen, how do you approach events? Obviously, this is this is what you do. Right, I'm going to be controversial. I'm in the cut. <laughs> I'm on the cut sign there. Um, I, I think there's um, some interesting things going on in the event space, especially in the industry event space, association space. I think they're 10 years behind. I'm so bored with them trying to reinvent a four-day event. Um, they're just trying to redo what they did in 2019. I don't think it's worth your um, investment. So I would say you have to look really hard at the industry events you're going to. And are they pushing themselves? Are they reinventing it? Are you really going to get the return? Because if you're just investing three or $400,000 in a 20 by 20 on a sad trade show floor, not worth it. Cut. Ooh, all right. (laughs) Julie, what do you think? I'd like to point out that Karen runs events for a living. I hope I have a job tomorrow. (laughs) Really wants a week off. Um, Come to Octane. No, um, so I'm not in an operating role right right now, so I don't actually have a budget to cut or not cut. But you know what I think is interesting, and I think what you said about you know boring four day events or turning up and having a whatever ten by ten booth. I think that's kind of always been true, and I know the world is different now, and there's it's so great to see the energy of Dreamforce back and people being in person. In-person events have always played a really special role in B2B events, and there's always been all these stats. Like, people want to meet face-to-face. It's the best way to build trusted relationships. But the thing that we weren't afraid to do at Dreamforce, and I actually worked on the first ones because I'm 100 years old, <laughs> is we were not afraid to do them completely differently. And I feel like people look at it now and they're like, oh yeah, that's how you do a show. But, you know, in 2002, 2003, like you did not do a show with like wacky themes and, and costumes and whatever shiny blazers these people are wearing over here that I desperately need one. That's what you should be spending your marketing budget on. So I think like differentiating, if you can do an event in a way that is going to be special, whether it's going to an event or throwing an event, how do you make it different? Like it can't just be status quo. You have to give people a reason that it's exciting and that it matters. Yeah, we... Yeah, we we talk about uh, at, at Caspian all the time that you have to be remarkable. Your marketing has to be remarkable, which means that people need to talk about it. They need to like remark to other people. When I was in uh, the elevator last night at, at one of the events, two people were like reminiscing about what they did at Dreamforce in 2019. And this is the party we went to and this is sort of stuff. Like when you run an AdWords campaign, you're not going to remember that in six years and be like, remember when you clicked on that one ad? I 
I remember the AdWords campaign I ran 20 years ago. Well, yeah. <laughs> you remember it. But that's it. But yeah, so, so it, it kind of, you know, begs the question of like, how do you make something that's so memorable? That's something that like, you know, there's all these, you could meet your next spouse. You could meet your, meet your next like co-founder of your company. You could, you know, see Bruno Mars and, and remember where you were. Like, that's the thing that makes events great is all of that stuff. But what we try to do is pack a bunch of people like, you know, in a, in a room and, and talk to them. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it for events, whether it's sponsoring or running event, it's the start with why. They, we are going to sponsor this event because we have always done it. doesn't make sense anymore. And attendees don't just want to show up, go do the same thing, cram into, maybe we do here, 5,000 people in a room with a bunch of strangers. That, that's not there anymore. And we, uh, we're reevaluating our event strategy. And it is, why are we going there? Why is the audience there? Is this the best way to reach them? And what we're really pushing is not, should we sponsor this event or not sponsor this event? It's what are we trying to accomplish? And does the event fit into that strategy? And if we're running an event and owning an event, we're having a lot of hard conversations about it of, is the best way to do this? Let's throw a big customer conference or people want more intimate connections. They want relationships. So rather than a massive customer conference, is it a smaller roadshow? Is it executive events? Is it more of a summit? So really, to your point, rethinking, but thinking about where are people today? What do they care about today? And what are we trying to achieve? So what about small batch events like a digital uh, wine tasting or chocolate event keeper cut? Is anyone doing that sort of stuff? say about oh most God. mostly keeps a couple a couple cuts there it, it's something that we uh we've heard on the show that has been an uncuttable budget item is those like sort of small batch events and part of the allure is that you can control sort of all the variables and it's not just a bunch of salespeople like descending on the people that they can actually build those connections karen are y'all doing stuff like that or thinking about that i would argue that a small batch in-person event is more impactful uh, really where you're curating an experience that's personalized and um, truly about peer-to-peer -peer networking. I think the small batch digital events have served their purpose, but I think they're going to peter off. Yeah. Funny, we, uh, we just hosted, so at SalesLoft, we just had our customer conference in Austin, and then we had an offshoot that was a 50-person executive event. We've never done something like it before. We had a White House economists come in and give this great talk. We had this like live interactive learning. We focused a ton on content. Do you know what I got the best feedback on of the entire event? Roundtable discussion. Oh, Roundtable so pizza. Oh my gosh, Wine. they loved it. The our CRO rented an Airbnb and said, you know what? Let's have the after party at my Airbnb. And got is like local band that he's friends with, who, by the way, are incredible. So we had this local Austin band playing music in the backyard and 35 of 50 of the world's probably most badass CROs hanging out at an Airbnb together, listening to this live band. And they went, no, we've never done something like that before. That was like, that was the thing for the event. And it's and I was like, if that's all it took, I would have spent a lot less money on that economist. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, 
I feel like as B2B marketers, which I know most of this audience is, like we have spent so much of our careers thinking about like ROI and what does this decision maker care about? But like we are also marketing to the very same humans that the serial companies and the wireless companies and everybody else is marketing to. And I think something that Salesforce is a place that we all kind of grew up as marketers was never afraid to treat its customers like humans. And I think coming out of COVID, the desire for human connection is even stronger than it was before. And not everyone wants to do that through work-related stuff. But if you can provide that, I think there's a real appetite for it. So showing up as a company as a human, marketing as a human, and bringing humans together, there's a big space for that. One of the things uh, that we uh, hear as a, as a common uh, topic on the show is syndication, keeper cut, content syndication. Yeah, a lot of cuts. I'm going to go strong cut for like the last decade. <laughs> well, so, and the reason why I bring it up is because, again, it goes back to sort of that, that element of control. I mean, why do you, so you said keep for, cut for the last decade. Why? I, I'm, I'm, no one's going to be happy with what I'm about to say. Content syndication is really lazy. It doesn't work. I haven't seen ROI from content syndication in more than 10 years. It's a great way to like juice your lead volume though. And sometimes as marketers, we need to juice lead volume. But ultimately it's, I just, if someone can tell me a place that they've gotten a good return on this, I'm open to being wrong. I'm just hopeful. Lauren, I, I feel a little betrayed because I used to work with you and I used to give you a lot of budget and you'd be like, you know what the secret is, Julie? content syndication. <laughs> we used to get SDRs to qualify all of those leads first. Okay. So yes. Okay. But now they're just selling you, here's the leads. And I'm like, who is the people that qualify these for me? And no one does that anymore. Okay. We'll talk about that after. Okay. <laughs> um, so one of the things that we hear a lot as well is that marketers are spending a ton of work to uh, do all these different campaigns, to do in-person events, to do this stuff. And then once they get to the website, there's sort of nothing there. Obviously, our amazing sponsor, Qualified, who put this all together, which we love. Uh, can, can I do a plug on how I got all that extra money from the website? Yeah, go for it. was after I bought Qualified. Yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> yes. Um, Actually true. <laughs> But I think that what we're seeing, which is a really common uh, thing that people are saying is uncuttable now, is RevOps, which is like, hey, if you don't have all of your marketing operations, all of your revenue ops, if you don't have that stuff down cold, then what's the point of running all these other brand, brand campaigns? What's the point of running these demand campaigns? Uh, Julie, you're nodding along. What do you think? Yes. I mean, so I think I was very lucky to grow up at a company like Salesforce. A lot of my marketing career was there. And because of the nature of the products that we sold, a lot of the stuff was sort of there as we were building it. And obviously technology keeps evolving. But when I went to a company like Slack, which has a massive self-service engine and had bolted on an enterprise engine, a lot of that infrastructure wasn't there that I had taken for granted for so long. And, you know, I'm always a little wary of marketing being taken down to an exact science. But on the other end, like I'd like to know if I generate a lead or somebody to come to the website that something could happen for them that might lead to them, you know, it actually, gets to a person. Maybe if they have that level of interest. So I think it's just it's it's sort of that missing piece of and it became even more apparent and and more important to me when I went to a company with 
both not that infrastructure there and this sort of massive top of funnel and a real need to be able to scientifically move that through to more revenue for the company. Karen, I'm curious what's what's one of your uh, what's one of your uncuttable bent or event uh, items that you're like, hey, if you're doing an event, you got to make sure that you're doing this. Um, probably that's a tough one. Um, I would say executive C-suite engagement for me, where we are in our company and our journey. And um, Julie's going to love this. I would say you have to. This kind of goes back to I think where we are. Uh, right now, I think we need to entertain our customers and our partners and our prospects. So I would say luminary speakers. I need, you know, I, I need to draw. I think we are working in a world now where we really need to think about convincing people to buy a ticket and fly out to San Francisco and spend a few days at Dreamforce. And so I think you need to entertain them and motivate them and inspire them beyond beyond product, right? What's going on in the world? They have a killer lineup and Salesforce has excelled in this for many, many years and set the benchmark. And um, I think it's something that I aspire to at Okta as well. Yeah, we're, we're about to uh, uh, do a sort of multi-series blog post on this idea of like edutainment. And if you think of it as an X, Y axis, you have education on one side and, edu- and uh, entertainment on the other. And the vast majority of our stuff is like lower left quadrant, like not that educational, not that entertaining. Uh, the good stuff is like educational, but not that entertaining. And virtually nothing is on the, the right side because it's like, nah, it's not where, that where does this fall? This, I don't know. Edutaining? It depends how much people do. How is it going so far? Okay. If if we're edutaining, show keep. Everyone, just show the blue one. Infotainment. Um, Okay, so, uh, yeah, yeah, anyways, yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's, like, yeah, we, we are competing now with, with Marvel and Disney Plus and all these things. We have Hulu. Everything is in device. It's on the go. It's all these things. Like, that's who you're competing against for people's attention span. And if you write shitty blog posts, like, people aren't going to listen or pay attention. Um, okay. Uncuttable budget items. Uh, put up your paddle and yell one out, and we'll do some keeper cut. Uh, who's got an uncuttable bud- budget item that they want to hear some stuff on? Anyone? All right, I'll keep going. Podcast. Hey. It's more than just a podcast, damn it. There's video too. Um, yeah, what do you think? Content series, podcast and video series. I think it's a way to stand out right now if you do it well. Uh, what what is hard and it's content without distribution. And it reminds me of sort of the early days of content marketing where everyone was like, look, I wrote a blog post. I made this ebook. I created a podcast, but no one sees it or uses it. Then you absolutely shouldn't do it. And it's a waste of money. But if you can create great content and then actually distribute, distribute it, it's incredible. And, um, uh, having done some cod. Oh, never mind. That was some hot content. <laughs> hot, 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 hot. Keep. <laughs> Anal- so analyst relations. If you're selling to the enterprise, you need it. If you're selling to the enterprise, you need it. Well, anyways, thanks. thanks. <laughs> Remember that time when we were at that event and the fire alarm? <laughs> this is why we do on-demand podcasts. Yeah. 
The ManGen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.